0: You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock and this programme is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. In it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And I'm very happy to tell you that we have a photographer in our programme tonight. His name is Roger Ballen, but I think photographer is probably not what describes you best. Roger, first of all, good evening and welcome to the program.
1: Uh, Good evening. It's a great pleasure to be here this evening.
0: And how do you describe yourself?
1: Well, I guess, uh, you know, you limited the words, so I would just, I would guess I would call myself photographer artist, although some of my work lately has not been in the photographic area. It's been in drawing and painting installations, but so I guess the only words I could use is photographer-artist.
0: But one of the reasons you're on the program this Sunday is that you're uh, doing something with artscape and with ballet uh, and opera. Just, just tell us what it is that you're doing down there, which is why you're on the program initially.
1: I'm uh, doing this set and the costumes uh, with my artistic director, Margaret Rousseau, uh, for the uh, opera Hansel and Gretel. Uh, so uh, we're making um, all the sets, uh, designing the sets, doing the um, uh, planning for the sets, uh, the, making the interiors, doing the costumes. And so we're involved in all those uh, aspects, um, except physically building the sets. They have another team doing this, but you know it's all about uh, aesthetics of design.
0: And that's a production which is coming up starting on the 3rd of April.
1: Yes, yeah, the 3rd, the 6th, the 8th, and the 10th at Artscape in, in Cape Town, the Hansel and Gretel Opera in the main um, Artscape building.
0: Actually, I have to say, it does seem quite odd to be doing live opera now because that's a big theater, isn't it?
1: It's huge, actually. It's per- perhaps the biggest theater in South Africa. I think there's 2000, something like that seats. So, it's a mammoth, mammoth uh, opera, a beautiful um, uh, opera setting. Um, and unfortunately, um, uh, maybe it's fortunately, at least they're allowing it to happen, but the maximum amount of people that can view the opera at any given time is 100.
0: And there must be, uh, is it with orchestra as well? Or is it pared down orchestra? What, because there must be you know, 40 or 50 people involved in the production.
1: Yeah, the orchestra is uh, operating under certain uh, conditions, but they are fully operational as well as the actors, again, under certain conditions. But, you know, um, these conditions shouldn't necessarily be noticed uh, by the audience.
0: Yeah, but it is actually, we do certainly live in extraordinary times. And I think one of the features of your, uh, your artistry is that it does discover the extraordinary, I think. I've watched a few of your uh, videos and some of your artwork and it certainly does discover extraordinary things.
1: Yeah, well, my, the, go- the goal of my work is to take people, including myself, to a new zone in the mind, to expand the mind, to expand consciousness, and to link, I guess, one part of the mind, which might be referred to as the subconscious buried mind, with the conscious mind. So, you know, my images have a psychological impact.
0: And this, obviously, uh, Hansel and Gretel has a lot of psychology in it a, as well. And there's sort of deeper levels in Hansel and Gretel. And are you uncovering that as well in this production?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, the set obviously brings out certain um, aesthetics uh, of mine. And my aesthetic is uh, harmonious in some ways with the, the narrative of Hansel and Gretel. So I think they add another between the original narrative and my narrative and my set, you know, I think we extend the zone of, of this opera. I mean, if you look at the traditional opera that I've seen on the internet a few times, it's, it's in German and it's, it's almost uh, like a fairy tale in some ways. It's not as um, I think psychological as what uh, I've tried to uh, do here. And so I think, you know, we've extended the boundaries of this particular opera in, in all sorts of ways, which I'm, pleased to be able to have done. A, I'm confident that that'll happen that way and people will see it that way.
0: Well, we're going to uh, talk about that again later, but we're going to listen to your first piece of music now, which is called Chain Gang. And I think this is quite appropriate because after that, I want you to tell us how you came into this world of photography because you started well your life as something, as something else. So let's listen to Chain Gang, that's your first choice and then we'll come back to the story after that. Here it comes. That was Chain Gang, the choice of Roger Ballin, who's my guest in in People of Note tonight. Uh, Roger, some of these pieces of music you might like to talk us through also as to why you chose them.
1: Well, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm a product of the 60s. Um, I grew up in New York City, um, went to high school there, went to University of California, Berkeley um, in the late 60s, early 70s. This was the height of the counterculture, the hippie period. um, And this period, I I feel was the most revolutionary period in many ways of the 20th century. And so many of the movements that we experience today came from the 60s. And it was a very spontaneous uh, event um, that occurred in the Western world. And and the centers of this event were places like Berkeley, California. So it it really had a transformative effect on me. And um, so I was really um, into the music of the 60s, uh, into the ideology of the 60s, and and experienced the 60s and early 70s, I think, to its fullest in, in, in many ways. So, uh, you know, a lot of the songs that you'll hear tonight uh, come from my youth and uh, they've they've stayed with me. And I'm, I guess uh, I can't say that I'm the world's classical musical expert, but, you know, I have some knowledge of it. But the but the 60s and 70s songs which i think a lot of these songs have a you know an ongoing presence uh, even though they're sung 40 or 50 years later so i think um you know they they're relevant now in some ways because they they stick with people like the chain gang
0: yeah uh, and you actually didn't start as a photographer artist or have you always been interested in that because you, your other life was as a geologist i think
1: Yeah. Look, my mother started one of the first photo galleries in America in the 60s with some of the most famous photographers and worked in Magnum, which was the center of creative photography in the 60s in New York City. So when I was in my teens, I met the most famous photographers of the world. They were very friendly with my mother. They gave her books and photos, and she was passionately involved in this field. So uh, by the time I was 18, when I got my first uh, camera for graduation, I went out there like a bullet. And by the time I was 18, I could take really excellent pictures. I mean, in the latest book I did, or a book a couple of years ago, called Bell and S, Roger Bell in a Retrospective, published by Thames and Hudson, you can see photos I took in, at age 18 and there. I'm proud of those pictures. They're powerful photographs. So I was ready to go at age 18 because I had like years and years of of watching and listening and building up this need to do photographs. And I was just hooked them minute and I got that camera. But I didn't do this as a profession. I decided, and my mother thought it was a bad idea. And I wasn't into commercial photography, you got to understand, I was part of the counterculture. So advertising, corporate, um, doing things for corporations, uh, doing things for uh, consumable goods wasn't in my headscape at all. So, you know, I was just doing it as a expression of Roger Ballen, And that's, that's the way it's always been, you know, for 54 years now of doing pictures, it's always been an expression of passion. And I decided to do another career, which was uh, geological. And uh, I did that for about 25 years. But, but I always have done photography since 1968 to 2021. I've been doing that every year.
0: Yeah, but in fact, that's what brought you to South Africa. It was the geology. Yeah, well, the first thing that brought me to South Africa in
1: 1973-74, I hitchhiked from Cairo to Cape Town. It was a nine-month trip, uh, backpack trip from Cairo to Cape Town. And that's how I got here initially. So um, and then I um, went and did an overland trip from Istanbul to New Guinea. And uh, went, eventually went back to America, did my first photo book called Boyhood, and then did a PhD in, in the geological area. And then married uh, my current wife, uh, Linda Moross or Linda moras Ballin, who's an artist, a teacher, who's a very excellent teacher. I always say she's the best art teacher in South Africa. Um, and I married her in 1981 and have lived in Johannesburg actually permanently since 1982.
0: Well, it's an amazing story, and obviously all the way along you've been taking photographs.
1: Yeah, you know, 54 years of taking pictures, you know, 54 and, years. Of and that taking must pictures
0: be, yeah, I was going to say, there must be quite a collection of pictures one way and another. And you must tell us also where people can see these images. So give us an idea for our listeners where they should go to see some of these images.
1: Well, look, I have, I think I've done like 27 books already. So, but a lot of these books aren't available in the bookstores. And so I think there's two places to start if you want to see my work. One is, um, you can see my website, you can look under uh, com, and that has a lot of uh, interesting aspects of my careers from the collections to the photos to the films, all these things. So the website is, has the most concise information. And then if you're interested in the books, you know, you can, I think Ballinesque is available. Um, the World According to Roger Bellin is available and Roger the Rat are, is available in South Africa. Those are the latest books i, I think that they're still in stock uh, in South Africa and you know you can ask the bookstore owner um, whether what is available and what they can get a hold of.
0: Okay now I just want to spell your name for our listeners it's Roger and the surname is Ballen B-A-L-L-E-N so just so that you find the right place or find the right book but we're going to hear your next choice of music now which is some Kletzmer music it's uh Called the best of from a album called the best of Yiddish songs and klezmer music, and it's called Freilach. That was some klezmer music chosen by my guest in people of note, Roger Ballen. Roger, does that have some resonance with your past as well?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, America basically is made up of immigrants, and uh, my mother and father's family came from russia um, as jewish immigrants and they were very jewish in so many ways they could speak yiddish um, and they uh, basically um, came to the united states um, towards the end of the 19th century and located themselves in atlantic city new jersey and lancaster pennsylvania so you know they were part of yiddish culture old jewish culture pre-war world war ii world war one culture and so you know, their mentality was very, very um, old Jewish, Yiddish, and Yiddish, they could speak it, and sometimes they tease me with Yiddish words. So, you know, it's, it's the roots of my family life, uh, the the roots of my heritage, in in many ways, go back to old Jewish um, culture, and New York, you know, it's a very, it's the most Jewish city in the world outside of cities in Israel. So you know, it's, you know, I grew up in New York, so the old Jewish culture. um, Yeah was predominant there.
0: Now, and I noticed that, in fact, a lot of your uh, your photographic work, your artistic work, is done in black and white rather than in color, which gives it a sort of slightly documentary historic feel as well.
1: Yeah, well, look, black and white is a minimalistic uh, abstract art form, and it's much more difficult than color in a way, because the color is somehow or another give people a semblance of reality, but black and white is reduced and it's purified and it's an abstract, as I said, and it's more difficult though working black and white and you have to understand how you can put abstract forms together, create substantial, substantive uh, meaning. So yeah, I was hooked on black and white uh, for 50 years and uh, just by chance, like a camera, gave me a camera to do the video for the book, Balaness, Roger Balan, a retrospective and during that time, because I didn't own a, um, a digital camera, I started taking some of the pictures in color, and I couldn't believe it that the color ones, because you can take a color picture and make it into black and white with a digital camera, that the color ones were better than the black and white at that time. So beginning about three, four years ago, nearly all my photographs have been in color, but 50 years of black and white and three or four in color.
0: And, of course, there's some some great uh black and white photographers I mean that in terms of the photography uh, from your own tradition in America I think of Ansel Adams and here in South Africa uh, David Goldblatt Um, and in fact uh, there, there are some parallels in a way between you and David Goldblatt because he photographed people sort of on the fringes of society in many ways too which is what you do I think
1: yeah, but I think uh, mine are different than David goblad David Goldblatt, I don't want to speak for David goblad, no. but I'll just speak for myself. You know, mine are, are more of a psychodrama, a theater of the absurd. Of, I mean, if you talk about the last, since say, 95, they're about creating an artistic complex aesthetic, and and I don't really necessarily see my pictures ha- as having any real documentary value to them. They're yeah. more about the the documenting of the of the The mind the the human condition of the mental state of the human condition so you know I think I really um maybe the early work of mine in the Dorps and the Plateau overlap with David Goldblatt but certainly since 95 there's I don't really see
0: any link and the um the fact that you were involved in geology took you to some out of the way places
1: yeah, I mean, but in, when I did the two projects, Dorps and Klaatland, I traveled nearly 700,000 kilometers by road in South Africa. And I always said that people, if I decided to give up geology and photography, I should somebody should hire me as a travel agent. Because I knew the uh, country better than anybody else, I'm sure about this. I knew every little Dorp, every little road <laughs> all over the country, backwards and forwards, forwards and backwards. So... I really traveled the country and a lot of the work at the time was for geology. And when I had free time, I uh, traveled all over the place to do the photos. So, yeah. So there was a good link between my career in geology and my um, artistic endeavor in, in photography. And I was lucky I had the geology because, you know, I wasn't a commercial photographer, so it was, always, it was important to have a, a source of income. And, and the geology supported the habit of photography. and Without that habit, like most other artists, you know, you'd really uh, struggle. There was no market for selling photographs in South Africa at that time. So I was lucky I had these dual careers.
0: And you've been in and out of a lot of doors in that time. And your next choice is The End, The Doors. That was a longer piece of music chosen by Roger Ballon called uh, The Doors and that's a a very interesting choice too just tell us about that
1: yeah the doors were really popular in 68 69 you know when i first entered university that was they were the, the, one of the groups you know and not jim morrison and and the doors so you know it was really popular and i, I was really uh, struck by his lyrics you know most of the lyrics you hear in music for young people are quite trite. You know, it's the same stuff over and over again: lovey, kissy, crybaby, this sort of stuff. And and Jim Morrison had some said some profound things in in his lyrics, and it really struck me because, you know, that's what I've always been trying to uncover through my artwork and through everything I've read: something more substantive, more poetic, more philosophical. And and you know, um, I found that in 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 the Doors, there was some of those songs had that element in and and that's why I decided to uh, include it because it was part of my counterculture background I became a hit that lasted through time and also has some uh, meaning to it.
0: Yeah and obviously uh, via your photography you've been looking for deeper meanings in life and the lives of people um, and perhaps you could recommend uh, one of your uh, videos to go to for people to see. Um, I mean the the one I watched one about birds uh, and I watched um, the, the, the one which has had 100 and 164 million views now on YouTube which is I think you freaky and I, always they I mean they're quite disturbing in a way when you watch them just talk to us about that.
1: A lot of people think my work is disturbing, but it's not intrinsically disturbing. It's just that the people who watch the work, and I'm not being critical in any way, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: haven't having, having come into their, uh, having um, found something in the back of their mind. As Jung said, the shadow side, they haven't been able to find that thing in the back of their mind, and they've pushed it down, repressed it, and... Um, my work, for some reason or another, I can't say why I don't necessarily try to do anything, I just try to produce strong work, Um, brings out things in the back of the mind that people get nervous about, because they spend most of their time trying to avoid the fundamental conditions of of their own lives and of the human condition on the planet. So they try to avoid this at all costs, whether it's buying cars, um, you know, watching videos or eating too much. And so it's a a life of of evasion. And uh, the pictures of mine somehow or another pierce that and bring up certain things that people then refer to as dark, but they're not intrinsically dark. In fact, I find my pictures quite absurd and humorous. And a lot of people also find them absurd and humorous. It just has something to do with the state of the mind of the person viewing the pictures.
0: Well, I guess that's always the the case that people are interpreting what they see for their own purposes. And how have you brought some of that into Hansel and Gretel also, which is the the opera for which you've designed costumes and sets?
1: Yeah, I mean, the so-called Balaness aesthetic, it pervades the set in Hansel and Gretel. That's why they chose me to do this. So the sets that you see in Hansel and Gretel, in some ways, feel like sets from my photographs. You know, there's a link between the sets... I make and and come up with when I make my photos and the type of sets you see on the stage. So there is uh, that inherent uh, link between the Roger Bell and aesthetic and the narrative of Hansel and Gretel. So the the, you know, I've integrated the two. And I think, as I said earlier, that's why I think the opera um, will be different, take people to another zone and and challenge the nature and meaning of of the opera in, in particular.
0: And that's the opera which is coming to Artscape on the 3rd uh, of April and then running for several performances. Uh, Are they going to film it as well so that it can go online?
1: Yes, uh, they are filming it, which is a huge relief to me. They are filming it, and I don't know what the plans are. I hope it will go online, but they have plans to make a film of it, and they've done some documentation of the development of the sets. And they hope to put together, you know, a full um, uh, video of the of the opera and the development of the of the set. So this is a big relief because it's like um, you know having a show somewhere in the world. Then you know you, maybe you go up there and you see it, and then at the end of the day, all you get is like um, a few news, newspaper clit- clippings. Half the time you can't read them, and it's that's why I've always liked books and videos. You know, there's something yeah. more timeless yeah. about it, and so it's important to. To, to video, it could, and it at least has some, you know, can extend itself beyond the few performances here.
0: So your next choice is Ravi Shankar uh, and Irumudium. That was Ravi Shankar with Irumudium, the choice of Roger Ballen, who's my guest on People of Note tonight. He's a, a photographer, artist. He has been also uh, a geologist in his life, but what he really loves in life is, is doing uh, photographs, but also you, you add to those by doing drawings and paintings and collage. Do you, do you uh, manipulate the photography in any way or, or do you just add to it with collage and, and drawings and so on?
1: No, I, I don't manipulate the photography. There's not one of my pictures that's been manipulated. I always say you can't, nothing beats reality. <laughs> so sitting sitting next to a computer screen trying to create a extended reality is 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 not the same as creating the reality in real life so i i don't I have the capability of of manipulating the photographs
0: yeah you know. but are you do you call yourself an artist as well apart from being a photographer
1: yeah i mean I'm, you know the the problem these days is um what is an artist you know for me it just comes down to one thing because it's become such a multi-dimensional overused word. And, you know, all artists, all it really means is that you use a media to express yourself. And so, you know, uh, photography, photographers can become artists. People who make drawings can be artists. Anybody, you know, what do we actually mean? So it's, it's ultimately uh, in the, in a, in the time zone of, of, decades or hundreds of years, it's people who say something in it that has some substantive value over time. And that's sometimes what we would re- like to refer to as artists as saying something of inherent value. But in, in today's contemporary word, an artist is just somebody who expresses themselves through a media. And so it doesn't mean you're saying anything of any value. You're just doing art, that's all. So it's a bad word. There's no more words. Unfortunately, we're not like Eskimos who have like nine or 10 words for snow. We, you know, unfortunately, in Western culture we're stuck with the word artist.
0: Yeah. Your next choice is Paul Simon and this has some resonance with South Africa. Diamonds on the soles of her shoes. That was the great Paul Simon with diamonds on the soles of her shoes and that brings us to uh, a strong South African connection also with Ladysmith Black Mombazo. What was it about South Africa or what is it about South Africa that keeps you here and attracts you
1: you know there's so many things about south africa that uh, keep me here you know it's you know uh whether it's the weather whether it's the diversity of the people whether it's the uh, warmth and friendliness of the of the culture um whether it's the uh, differences between one culture and the next whether it's the wildlife you know there's so many things that um have kept me here over the years and that's it's i Really, am so thankful uh, to the country for uh, giving me the opportunity to do the things I've, I've done here over the years. So, you know, I am a South African citizen, so you um, know, I'm not just an outsider here. So,
0: and, you know, and it's you been ob- a yeah. You
1: obviously great started- wealth. Of, oh, it's provided me with a great wealth of of uh, of, of life and process here.
0: And, but you still travel a lot. Well, before COVID. Uh,
1: Oh uh, yeah. I mean I was a lifetime platinum member of South African Airways. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so uh I uh, usually I travel uh, maybe 10 times a year overseas. I traveled so much. And so the last 18 months um it's been the least I've uh, traveled since 1968.
0: Wow. So yeah yeah, so so lockdown, but but that in itself creates opportunities, I think, or has it not for well,
1: you? Oh, yeah, because I built the um a center, um the Roger Balance Center for the Arts, it's called the Inside Out Center it's um forty eight Jan Avenue across from the Westcliff Hotel up from the Holocaust Museum, so I built a whole new building, a museum um, that I moved into in August. And we'll be showing um, different forms of group shows um, that have something to do with Africa, with the Raja aesthetic, which are important to the South African public and, and uh, a range of artists and, and public here. So it's been a, if they couldn't have been, there couldn't have been a better time to have this lockdown because I've got this whole building and the center uh, moving forward. And I'm really, really excited about our program uh, in the future.
0: And again, where do people find information about that?
1: Well, the center has, it hasn't has had its first exhibition, but you can go to my website and there'll be uh, information regarding the opening of, of the center and, and events in the center. This will probably take place towards the end of the year. You know, it's no point trying to do these things with this COVID problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're hopefully by the end of the year, um, the avail of... of COVID will have been lifted and we can start the first uh, exhibitions at the center on 48, on Smart Avenue, which is in Forest Town, Johannesburg.
0: Well, you must please let us know when that happens and then we can uh, advertise it here on Classic 1027. Your next choice is Leonard Cohen. Sadly, he died uh, last year. A, A very interesting, I mean, earlier on, you said you were interested in the lyrics of songs. And his lyrics are really extremely interesting. This one is called You Want It Darker and it features Canton Gideon Zellermeyer. Uh, it's Leonard Cohen. That was Leonard Cohen with You Want It Darker. Now, if you like, there are many layers in Leonard Cohen, just as I'm sure there are many layers in your uh, artworks too. Uh, what a, I mean, he's a really interesting guy.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. You know, he's really one of the few, uh, poets in contemporary, um, music. I mean, he's, as you say, his lyrics are meaningful. And a lot of people, I'm, I'm not trying to beat my own chest, but a lot of people, uh, think that my, uh, voice sounds like his, <laughs> especially as years go by. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he comes from a, a Jewish background. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, he's, as I said, I've always been attracted to his work for decades and decades and decades because there was some something substantive in, in what he was singing, what he was saying, and, you know, immediately was uh, attracted to him. He, you know, he's really a unique uh, uh, person in
0: this business. Yeah, Just a matter of interest, do you have any music in your own background?
1: No, well, then I, when I was younger, I tr- played the trumpet, and but I, I can't say that I was extremely uh, musical and to be perfectly honest with you one of the reasons i think i have an expanded visual mind is uh that my uh, uh ear is um not exactly fabulous in terms of hearing and and understanding uh, music in so many ways so it's like a blind person's sense of touch is expanded and, and for me um you know i i like music but it i don't have the same capabilities i do as to the visual sensation.
0: And yet the music uh, chosen or the the soundtracks chosen for your videos are also very interesting. I find them rather fascinating. And now you're working in opera, uh, which is a sort of uh, multi-sensory art form. Uh, So music is at least playing some part in an important part in your life, I think.
1: Yeah, it has. Because, you know, I mean, the music... When I was younger, um, the music was part of the, the so-called counterculture. So I was, a, I was at Woodstock, for example, and, and you know, went to Dylan and John Baez and this one and that one concert. So it played a huge role in, in my development as a young man. It was a form of finding oneself, a form of rebellion, a form of, of, of um, speaking out against culture and coming to terms with maybe more... Um, important things in life. So music was almost a form of philosophy in the late 60s and early 70s. 70s. And so it played a huge role in the development of my foundation or my career as, a, as an artist, I think. You know. I, I think it was integral to many of the things, uh, of where many of the places that I'm at right now.
0: Yeah. And uh, your next choice, Pink Floyd from uh, the album, The Dark Side of the Moon is Brain Damage. Just uh, let's listen to it, and then we can come back and talk about that. That was Pink Floyd from the album The Dark Side of the Moon, and that was a piece called Brain Damage, the choice of Roger Ballin, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. That's a program you're listening to on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8, and as I'm doing tonight, and thanks to the wonders of modern science, I can do it remotely, I'm talking to Roger Ballen, who's in Cape Town, getting ready for the performances of Hansel and Gretel. And I'm talking to him in Joburg about, in this case, brain damage, Roger.
1: Yeah, thank you. So look, um, the issue of Pink Floyd and, and this uh, particular song is goes back to the issue of normality. You know, again, this was an important concept that came out of the sixties and early seventies. You know, what is normal how do you why do you call yourself normal? What where is, does society have any leaders that are actually normal but not insane? What do you mean by insanity? These are all important uh, issues that were explored, and the issues of normality, insanity, what is madness, you know, pervade a lot of my photographs. So when people look at my pictures, they think, is this real? Is this possible? Is this is this only Roger Ballen, or did this really happen in the world because can this happen because if something happened like this it, it might be considered insanity. Do I want to deal with insanity? Am I scared of insanity? Am I insane? What do I mean by insanity? These are all important profound issues, but people are a little bit uh, reticent to deal with them
0: because uh, That's what the world is today. I mean we are living in a confused time and i see your next choice is called ball of confusion. Uh let's listen to that one and then we can discuss it afterwards. That was a piece called Ball of Confusion. That's what the world is today. Uh Roger Ballen is my guest in People of Note, Roger. Uh, does your work in any way have political comment as well?
1: Well, uh I don't consider myself a political photographer, but you know, in a an- obvious overt way but i come to but but they are political in lots of ways because for example you see a lot of animals in the pictures and the relationship between humanity and the pictures and the animals is not a very comfortable one it's a very unhealthy one it's a very divided one it's a very separated one so you know that is a statement in its own way but it's not only about that you know you can't define my pictures in one way or the other my pictures are multi-layers Sometimes the meanings are opposite. So, you know, we could. there are political elements in them. And I would say that if one wants to go back to the fundamentals of what I'm trying to do and trying to say, they're about the politics of the mind, of getting one part of the mind to talk to the other part of the mind. That's, in my personal opinion, the problem on the planet. Until the people have a more holistic, deeper understanding of themselves in some way or another, you know, progress is limited. It, you know, will be be continually dominated by the, you know, the more uh, deeper psychological instincts of, of, of the species. And, you know, this is what we find over and over again. And it doesn't disappear. You know, the older you get, you just see so much of what's going on is just one big circle. And you just hope that there's stability, you know, and stays that way. But, you know, there's always something coming around, whether it's COVID or whether it's, some war somewhere that, you know, that um, can cause a, a confl- conflagration in, in, on the planet in, in one way or another. So, yeah, you're right. Um, Have the you only way, it, the only the politics is the politics of the mind. That's what yeah. I've been focused on, not necessarily about one particular country's politics over no, another.
0: No, I understand that. But on your on your travels, which have been quite extensive, I mean, you've been down Africa and then you went also to New Guinea. Have you ever found yourself, and I, and I mean this in a sort of physical sense, in a conflict zone other than a mental conflict? Have you found yourself yeah, in a physical yeah. conflict zone?
1: Plenty, plenty of times, plenty of times, plenty and, of times. And has that you know-
0: produced uh, um, material for you for your photographs also?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's if that it, it, war and aggression. Um, and this uh, dislike of, of human uh, values. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a state of mental chaos. That's what happens when war happens. It's a state of breakdown of the, of the rational values of the species and taken over by the irrational values of not values, irrational uh, instincts of, of the species, which Uh, then uh, pervade for certain periods of time so yeah this is just a um a a revelation of of the deeper instincts of the of the species so yeah which you which come up throughout which reveal themselves in all sorts of subtle and non-subtle ways in in my images yeah it's clear
0: yeah but you you seem you uh, seem also to be able to make Friends with people on the fringes. Uh, I mean, I see you in your videos chatting to people quite uh, comfortably, one on one, when they're obviously. Uh, I mean, they're they're people, but they're not from your sort of um, your sort of circle of friends. They're just uh, people who are living, and you obviously have a, a feeling to be able to talk to people. No,
1: no, you're 100% right. And this goes back to even teenage days over 50 years ago. I always got along with all sorts of people and I always got along with people living on the edge. You know, I have a way with them. They trust me. I like them. There's a genuine, I can create a genuine understanding with, with these people because I empathize with them and and they, I guess they feel that I'm not just a phony there that take pictures of them and, and run away. So, you know, there's, there's a true interest and in it and a true relationship I can I feel towards people living on the edge, whether it's people living in Africa or whether it's people living in Appalachian America or in Siberia. You know, I've always got along with people like that and, and I and I really like being with them. And to be honest with you, again some of my best friends here in South Africa are probably my best friends in South Africa are people from living on the edge. And, you know, I get literally 10, 15 messages a day from people that I've, some of them that I've known for 20, 30 years, and and, and they trust me and like me, and I've, I guess I've been a doctor, a lawyer, a...
0: Psychologist. Financier, a
1: psychologist, a teacher, a chauffeur, a food provider, a clothes provider, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people here over the years. So, you know, I can really look in the mirror and say, you know... I've uh, done only uh, good to the people I've worked with and I don't think there's one enemy I've created among these in, you know, the 30-something years that I've photographed here. Yeah.
0: Well, your next choice, uh, we were talking about uh, places of conflict. This is The Warrior from the original cast of Ipin Tombi. That was The Warrior from performed by the original cast of E.P. and Tommy, the choice of Roger Ballen, my guest in People of Note. Roger, do you ever uh, acknowledge in any way the the people who have been part of your photographic world? And I'm thinking of these uh, people that you've photographed over the years, the ones you've just been talking about, who are your friends. How because in a way photography can be quite intrusive in people's lives you say that uh you're very friendly with these people and yet you're displaying sides of them uh which are quite revealing
1: yeah well look you know i'm not the only one so-called doing that if you read a newspaper look on the tv listen to the radio look at magazines you know this is uh pervasive in everywhere in human society and um watch the bbc watch cnn turn on any tv's channel it's the same stuff over and over again so you know i'm not necessarily excusing myself but i think that the real issue is is my pictures have a piercing value and um they stay with people and then people as i said don't necessarily like to be unsettled that way because the crux of the picture goes straight into this state of being and that upsets them. And then they try to blame that upset on me. Well, while the real upset is the fact that they haven't created their own uh, state of being that with any uh, insight. And so that's, that's my opinion to tell you the truth, because when I show these pictures to the people that I work with, and I always give them the pictures, they love them, they love them. They're on their walls, they want more of them. They show their friends, their family. And to tell you the truth, which is the real truth, I think nine out of 10 people I show these pictures to who are taking the pictures of find them funny. They don't find them disturbing, yeah. they find them humorous. Mm-hmm. So why is it that the people looking at the pictures find them humorous and, and other people say they're disturbing? So it tells you a lot about the people who look at the pictures.
0: Yeah. Your next choice, Janice Joplin, me and Bobby McGee. Let's just listen to it and then you can tell us about it. That was me and Bobby McGee, uh, Janice Joplin performing. Uh, Roger, why why have you chosen that one?
1: Well, Janice, Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, uh, John Baez, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, they're part of this um, counterculture uh, period. So Doors, you know, a lot of these people uh, died of drug overdose, suicide. They were part of this loud uh, rebellion by the youth in the late 60s, early 70s. And it was a three, four year period uh, that this occurred in. And as I said earlier, it had major, major ramifications for culture in the world following that. And, you know, so this was like a primal, a primal creative uh, vision uh, that um, pervaded uh, Western culture during this time. And, you know, I was uh, deeply affected by the, this music and, and the, what it said, like a lot of other people at the time. And then, you know, these people disappeared. Janice died, Jimmy died, and um, Doris died, Jim Morrison. And, you know, then it sort of disappeared, this whole movement. and But, you know, it's always interesting to find you know, I'm 70 years old, but we're 71 next month. A lot of the people who came out of this period, this three, four year period, are seem to have a different viewpoint of life. There's something more substantive about a lot of these people than the people who came a little later. This period, I can't tell you the type of impact it had on on, a, on many of the participants at a certain age uh, during this time. It, it really was, it was pervasive. It's like somebody who's experienced the Holocaust or somebody who experienced, you know, being uh, in a city that got bombed out in some way. It just, it just never left them. It, it, a, a view of the of, of oneself and the world around them that you know just had an extra layer of of insight
0: and earlier on you talked about uh Woodstock and the, the, you were there I take it
1: yeah I was, I was there and um it was sort of an interesting uh, story because the New York Times called me up right before Woods the 50th anniversary of Woodstock a couple of years ago and and said, did I have any more Woodstock pictures? Because I had put one in one of my books. And I said, I don't really think so. I'm not sure. I haven't looked in my contact sheets. So I actually found my contact sheets. And there were three contact sheets I had. And I couldn't believe it. I found like eight really great pictures from Woodstock. And that really told me something about Roger Ballin at the time, about my capability and um, when I saw those pictures at age early age 19, I was able to take really great pictures, as I told you. So by age 19, I was ready to go as a photographer. I had the vision and I had the capability of transforming the world through a camera. And that was really uh, what was interesting about my experience at Woodstock. Besides all the other stories, I could spend the next hour talking about my stories about uh, Woodstock um, here with you. And I don't, I don't know where they begin, but. You know, it, again, it was one of those experiences that, you know, left you with something.
0: Well, let's begin with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, this is called Woodstock. That was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young from Deja Vu. That was called Woodstock. The choice of Roger Ballen, who's my guest in People of Note, and who was at Woodstock, in the days of Woodstock, and has the photographs to prove it. And I see that your your final. Two choices are rather more conventional uh in in terms of uh classic 1027 listeners that's the trout di forella and the theme from schindler's list now, i'm just interested to know when you're working and presumably do you um produce a lot of the work yourself or do you uh, is that done by other people now in in t- i mean you directed
1: Not, no i I have one assistant, uh, artistic director, called Marguerite Rousseau. She's worked for me for 14 years, so basically she's the only one that, at least on the photographic side, that um, comes with me and actually uh, assists me in the creation. So there's just one other uh, person. There are other assistants who who come. Some of the people have, uh, again, uh, worked with me as. Young people for many years, they're from uh, the other side of the, of the city um, who help, you know, with building things, moving things, you know, a number of these people that one of the persons I've known for 25 years now and the family for over 25 years. So the people that are in these families from the other side that I work with, uh, that help me with the more, uh, I don't know, the physical laborious side. jobs, but... Um, but only uh, one other person is involved with me in the creativity, and that's uh, Marguerite. So,
0: yeah. So it's it's an amazing legacy, and and I assume that this uh, uh, place you've created on on Jan Smuts Avenue in Forest Town is going to be your legacy.
1: Yeah, I'm, I really hope so. You know, one doesn't know what'll happen after one passes to the next place, but. I really hope it can make a long-term uh, contribution to art and, and culture in South Africa. And I'm really confident, at least while I'm uh, walking the planet, that we'll produce exhibitions uh, in the venue that uh, that people won't forget and have some lasting meaning and, and value for them and, and, and the culture in, in general.
0: Are you something of a teacher as well, or is that not of interest to you, a mentor? No,
1: I do. T- I yeah. do look, in the end of the day, that. The pictures have to teach something. You have to, the, the pictures should teach something that, to people about themselves. But I, I give classes uh, all over the world for many many years, and I've always enjoyed it. And you know, there are three four day classes. I don't uh, associate myself with the university teaching month after month. But you know, I do classes, um, as I said, from Ivy League schools in America to classes in China or Siberia or to South Africa. So I, I do this, I've done this for many many years.
0: Yeah. And just a matter of interest, do you listen to music while you're working or is that just a distraction?
1: Sometimes we, we, we turn on the, the music, um, uh, you know, um, I don't know if it, it necessarily helps or doesn't help me uh, create. You know, the creative process is so complex And so difficult to talk about and so difficult to predict that I'm not quite clear what leads what state of mind leads to good pictures. I can tell you that some of my greatest pictures occurred when I didn't feel well, whether my nose was clogged or I didn't had a headache or something and I was tired and I got some of my greatest pictures. And there have been many times where I'm have tremendous energy and nothing happens. It's like fishing, you know, it's just impossible to really judge what are the components of creativity. You just got to be there. You got to be disciplined, you got to be fat, uh, focused, you got to have passion. Uh, and, and 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 you have to have a, a brain for what you're doing. And those are the things that make a difference. You can't just sit and think by dreaming all night or uh, hoping you're going to take pictures it will happen. I'm an extremely disciplined person. And, you know, four, five, six days a week and afternoons a week, I go out and take pictures, uh, whether I'm feeling Great or not feeling great, I'm just there. And, and that's the only way to go ahead, you yeah. know, get out there, take the pictures, and be your most um, st- uh, strongest critic. You know, you have to be a ruthless critic of your own work and not fall into mediocrity.
0: And I think that's probably true of any artistic venture, discipline, passion. Uh, certainly in the music field, it's so. And we're going to listen to two people who. Uh, have that Dietrich Fischer-Dieskau and Gerald Moore. This is Di Forella, the Trout. That was Di Forella or the Trout, sung by Dietrich Fischer-Dieskau with Gerald Moore accompanying. And we're getting towards the end of the program now, and I just want to say that Roger Ballen is doing the sets and the costume design, and I'm sure uh, a lot more as well in terms of the overall uh, feel of. Hansel & Gretel, which is in Cape Town. Uh, it's happening at Artscape starting on the 3rd of April, and there are further few performances after that, and if I'm sure if you go to the Artscape website, you will find the details, or even Cape Town Opera, you'll find all those details there. And we really look forward to the time when you, your uh, venue in Forest Town is up and running and that people can see more of your work. But Roger, just to remind them, uh, they can find your work by going by looking you up um, on a website. Roger Ballen, B-A-W-L-E-N uh, dot com, uh, and that's you'll find the websites there. And and I've found many videos and so on uh, quite easily on various websites. So do go there and look them up, and. Let's listen to your final choice, Roger, which is the theme from Schindler's List. And I just want to know, have you ever made or are you ever thinking of making a longer film of any sort?
1: I recently made a longer film, a 25-minute film called Roger the Rat. It um, mirrors the publication called Roger the Rat that came out a few months ago. Uh, And I haven't exactly um, released the film yet. I thought it might be better to release it in a few months after this COVID crisis has sort of toned itself down. So there will be a um, 25-minute film and it stars Daniel Buckland. Uh, He did an absolutely fabulous job as Roger the Rat. And um, he's he's just a great mime artist and and, um, the film I'm sure will have a profound effect on people who who see this film Uh, hopefully it'll be
0: released in the next few months. Well, there we are, things to look forward to. But here comes the theme from Schindler's List. That was the theme from Schindler's List, uh, music by John Williams. And that's the final choice of Roger Ballen, who's been my guest in People of Note. Thank you, Roger, very much for being on the program.
1: It's been an absolute uh, pleasure and I really enjoyed every minute of it. And I wish you and your audience um, good health and and take care and um, looking forward to uh, being in touch with your audience in the future. Thank you very much.
0: That's a great pleasure. Thank you. And to all of you and to all of you at home, thanks for listening. And until next time here on Classic 1027, we wish you all a very good night.